You are listening to the Conquering Everest podcast. This is episode 39. Welcome to the Concrete Nevers Podcast. My name is Brian Talor, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for choosing to spend a bit of your day here with me. On today's episode, I have a conversation with Gloria Grace Rand. Gloria grew up with an alcoholic father and an abusive mother. She learned from an early age that it was safer for her to be seen and not heard. She learned to express herself through music, writing, and dance, which just fueled her drive as she settled into television production and SEO copywriting. This is Gloria's story. Hello, Gloria. Welcome to the Conquering Everest podcast. Oh, hello, Brian. And thank you so much for having me on today. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, I'm delighted to have you. I can't wait to dive into your story. Uh, but let's go ahead and take just a moment, if you'd like to, in your words, introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, I am Gloria Grace Rand, and I have been in business for over 10 years and helping entrepreneurs. Uh, specifically, they hire me to create an online message that generates consistent leads and sales because so many don't know how to communicate authentically. So I really help them actually uh, appreciate their unique value so that they can have more impact and influence and income. Uh, the bottom line is always nice. And in fact, uh, that is the bottom line. We attract ideal clients uh, to their business with uh, messages from the heart. And that's, um, uh, like I say, I've been doing this SEO copywriting work now for over 10 years and I'm moving into more coaching because part of the reason I have discovered in working with clients over the years is why they have trouble communicating sometimes is because they aren't really talking from the heart. They are maybe trying to live up to somebody else's expectations and they're not really being true to who they are. And uh, I've come a long way in discovering that for myself, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a yeah. little while. That's why I'm really passionate about helping them as well. So that's why I offer coaching in addition to the actual writing of the messaging, which I, I'd still love to do. Yeah, that's that's great. And, and, you know, as I've read up your story and, and got to know a little bit about you, um, communication, that, that, that outwardness of it wasn't always the case. Um, you you've had to develop yourself over the years. Let's let's kind of go back and let's talk a little bit. You know, the, let's talk about your story, where it began for you. Um, you know, as a child growing up, what was that? What was your what was that like for you? Yeah, well, it was. Um, you know, there were some challenges. There were some, I think, good spots. Uh, and actually, relation to my older brother and sister, I think they. They actually even had it worse than I did. That there's 10 years difference between my sister and my brother was 14 years older than me. Um, but I grew up in a household with, uh, unfortunately, alcoholism was a, a big problem. My dad was an alcoholic. Um, and then my mom, in trying to deal with that, didn't always deal with it very well, frankly. And she could be uh, abusive, um, mostly 
uh, verbal abuse, but uh, I, I did get a black eye one time because uh, I didn't want to eat my peas and I threw them out and she caught me. Uh, as a child of depression, she didn't like seeing food get go to waste. And I think that was really what kind of brought that out for her. But uh, so, yeah, it was a little, um, things were tense, <laughs> shall we say, in the household, um, not always knowing how you know, what kind of shape my dad was going to be in maybe when I came home from work and then how my mom would react to that. And so, uh, yeah, a lot of stress, a lot of, uh, a lot of fear. And, um, as I said, there was a big gap between, uh, my siblings and I, so they essentially both were out of the house by the time I was seven. And so I was an only child and, in some respects, things did get better at times, but um, not always, <laughs> not always. Still had to deal with a lot of that stuff. And and your father was more of the, um, and, and I'm going off of memory, so who knows what, what you're going to get <laughs> from my, my memory. But your father, if I remember right, he was pretty compassionate. He was, he was kind of the 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 one that would come home, be lighthearted with you. And then your mom was more of like the off. No, you know what? Actually, I mean, I mean, I have some good memories of my dad. I mean, he did mm. like he did help me out a lot. I mean, he he was the one who taught me how to ride a bike. He um, he uh, loved to play golf. You know, when he was you know feeling better and and not uh, in the throes of alcoholism, and 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 he actually had me drive a golf cart around from time to time. My mom was very compassionate. Um, and very loving to me. And that's what makes it hard because then there were times where she would just lash out and, and could, you know, lose her temper uh, at the drop of a hat and over, you know, things seemingly that I wouldn't think would be a big deal, but she would. Um, and she, and she was also very impatient um, and could get easily nervous. Um, and, and, and she suffered from depression as well, because I, I know she was involved in, in a program that was called Recovery. Um, and I know, in fact, even when I was really little, I know she was involved in that. And and so, you know, it, it's tough because it's on, on one hand, she could be, you know, really fun and she loved to sing. And that helped, you know, kind of foster a love of singing in me. She loved to read. We would go to the library and, you know, and bring home books. Um, you know, but then there would be times, and I think it was, you know, my dad was more of the, uh, I wouldn't necessarily strong silent type, but more of the silent type, because I think, uh, because my mom was so vocal, and so he would retreat into his shell, and, mm -hmm. and wouldn't, and wouldn't, he'd, you know, sit down in front of the TV, and, you know, watch TV for hours, um, and, you know, and then of course she'd fall asleep and I'd change the channel and be like, no, I'm watching that. You know, <laughs> as our parents would do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's a, uh, yeah, and it's an interesting, interesting relationship they even had. And then as a family dynamic, it was uh, challenging as well. And for you as, you know, a kid growing up in the midst of all this, what, what did it do to you? Um, you know, uh, your personality, your confidence, what, what was that like for you? Yeah, well, um, you know, my, my, my sister remarked, you know, years later that I was a, I was a scaredy cat and, mm -hmm. and I was easily bullied and picked on. And, and in fact, I was actually journaling about that this morning, even and thinking about that because um, I'm grateful 
to the bullies in a way now because they they were probably sent to me as a way to help me to try to learn how to stick up for myself. But because of the environment I grew up in, that was a bit too hard, I guess, unless I wasn't ready for that lesson. I wasn't ready to stick up for myself. And I was, I was an easy target. And, you know, I remember I would uh, even, and this was even in junior high, we had to wait for the bus to go to school. And, and it was winter time. I grew up in Michigan and the guys would snatch my hat off my head and then throw it around, you know, and I'm trying to get it back. And um, so, yeah, I was, I, even though there was part of me that wanted to be seen, in fact, my mom actually did get me dance lessons and I loved ballet and tap and jazz and being on stage. I loved that. Um, and, and that was, I don't know if you ever saw a chorus line, but um, there's like one song in there that I resonated so much with because it was like, you know, at the ballet, I was happy, I, you know, and, and and that was that was my escape and that's where i could go where you know i didn't have to worry about um parents and i could just have fun um but otherwise at you know other times and like dealing with school and stuff yeah i wasn't uh, i wasn't always the most outgoing person <laughs> didn't have you know wasn't the class clown was not the uh you know most popular girl in school i had a close-knit you know a few friends um that I could confide in because it, uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty shy. <laughs> and it's, you said like music and dance was your escape. And, and you had, it sounds like you had confidence in that space when you could go and be in your world without having to worry about the environment around you. Uh, it sounds like you had a lot of confidence. You were able to, you know, let your personality come through. Yeah, absolutely. That that was definitely um, places that I, I shined. And, and and again, like I said, music was a big part of our family life and, and that my dad actually played the organ. And so I learned how to play as well. And so and then when I got into school, I joined the band, I played the flute and then the saxophone in high school. And and I and I loved expressing myself uh, creatively that way. And that's also um, writing uh, I started, well, I started reading at three. My mom taught me how to read at three. And then I started writing, you know, just, uh, I think I had a pen pal early on and then, um, you know, wrote fan letters to John Travolta. <laughs> Welcome back, Potter. Oh, yeah. years ago. Um, you know, and then, but yeah, I loved like English class and being able to, you know, write and, and, and that was a big part of, yeah, there's this always been this creative side of me that loves to come out. And, and yeah, and when I can do that, um, I do, I really, yeah, that's how I come alive. And it's, uh, it's been, it is a blessing that I have had that part of my life to be able to uh, fall back on sometimes when I'm, you know, not happy or something, you know, I can, uh, you know, pick up a book and read or go, you know, play my guitar or, or something like that. So as, as a kid, when, when things would get a little, you know, uncomfortable at home, um, you know, your mom wasn't in the best of mood, your dad was struggling with the alcohol, um, did you escape to that, to the music and the writing and, and dancing? Like, was that in home? Were you able to escape from the environment? Um, well, yeah. I mean, at home, I would definitely, I'd escape in books. I mean, I was a voracious reader. Um, and so 
would, I think, you know, go in my bedroom and, and just hide out and read. And, you know, until I would hear, you know, Glor, do this or Glor, you know, go tell your father this, go tell your mother this <laughs> kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I would, I would definitely, that would be my, uh, that was something that I would love to do is just go in there and yeah, or, you know, or play or go play the organ, you know, for a while. Mm -hmm. I didn't have headphones at the time, so I still would be able to hear what was going on, but I could just, you know, immerse myself. I would, I would spend, I mean, I could spend like a couple hours just going through, I had like these big, um, they used to call them these big fake books. And they're these really, really thick books that were uh, all the like the popular songs of the day and, uh, you know, from the 60s and 70s. And I would just, you know, play those on the organ and have, have a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah. It, you know, it's amazing. Um, you know, our, our backgrounds are different and our passions are different. But, you know, as, as a kid in the environment I grew up in, I had little things that I could distract myself. I could kind of run off to and be in my own world. And, and some of those things followed me through high school and then into adulthood. So mm -hmm. for you, how, how was the, as a child, you had this, this area that you could escape to. And then as you got into high school, it sounds like you were playing, uh, you were in band and playing instruments. And then how did that progress into, you know, college and young adulthood? Yeah, it's interesting. So, um, yeah, I mean, I did, I, I did all of that in high school. I, I was in the band I, and I joined like all the different clubs, you know, cause I wanted to be on the, in the yearbook. And, and so I tried, you know, did things to, to be active and, and and I there was even a I even was in the talent show one time, which I still can't believe that I did. Um, <laughs> but for but for some reason I I somebody had actually posted a picture on Facebook of me and I was like, oh my God, I had totally forgotten that I sang, I played the guitar and sang <laughs> Take Me Home Country Roads by John Denver. Uh, I think, you know, probably in 10th grade or something. And um, it was amazing that even even though I considered myself shy, I guess given an opportunity to perform, I was going to take advantage mm -hmm. of it. Um, and but in my senior year of high school, though, my parents did actually finally split up, and <clears throat> my dad moved out. And so I don't know. I had this crazy idea that I was going to go to Miami, um, where my grandmother lived, and go to college there, but. I don't know, hadn't even talked talk to a school counselor about this, didn't really make sense. It was really expensive at that time. Um, and so I was suddenly scrambling and trying to figure out where to go to college. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I decided to major in business administration because I thought it would help me get a job. I mean, mm -hmm. that's like, you know, totally crazy thinking that just because I think it was maybe such a shock that I just didn't wasn't really thinking about my future and what I wanted to do. And um, and then my freshman year of college uh, in the spring, unfortunately, my older brother passed away suddenly. Um, he died in his sleep and on Mother's Day of all days. Um, and so that you know, through both me and my mom for a loop, because I was I was commuting to school at that time too, because I didn't you know want to leave her anyway, and so I started skipped school, and I, our there was a shopping mall across the street from our college, and <laughs> I go to the movie today. Wound up on academic probation, and my mom found out initially. She was you know really upset, and then. Um, one calmed down, I think realized that 
uh, my brother's death was affecting me as well as her. And so I went to see a counselor and I wound up taking one of these aptitude tests and she recommended, the results recommended that I change my major to mass communications. And so I uh, majored in actually mass communications, radio, TV, film was the uh, sequence of it. And so I got into television production and which was perfect for me because when I was a little kid, I would uh, like essentially memorize the TV guide. So my parents could ask me, you know, what's on, uh, you know, NBC at eight o'clock at night. And I could tell you, <laughs> thankfully we only had a few state titles in those days. Um, but so, so this just seemed perfect. And that's, that's what I wound up doing. I wound up majoring in that and I love television production. And I actually, when I graduated from college, I, um, my mom was very cool and she said, I'm actually divorcing you, Gloria, um, wow. and you can, you know, I want you to go ahead and move to Florida because that had been my dream because uh, we'd lived in Michigan and I didn't have to want to deal with snow anymore. <laughs> and so I, as soon as I graduated from college, I moved down to Florida and, uh, and eventually I wound up getting a job with the public television station there and working for the nightly business report of all okay. things. So even though I, I'd given up this major of business administration, I guess God still wanted me to be involved in business. <laughs> <laughs> so I wound up working for that show. So so you said your mother divorced you. Was that, do you think she was doing that as a, like, did she have good intentions behind that? Cause she wanted you to chase your dreams. Yeah, yeah. she, she okay. did. I mean, I, you know, she knew that, um, you know, I really did. She'd had, she had, in addition to, you know, dealing with depression and stuff, she also had a lot of physical problems and, and which I think were caused by, you know, depression and stuff. She had high blood pressure, arthritis and stuff. And so I was always, you know, taking care of her. And I think she realized that, you know, I needed to get off on my own. And, and even though, um, you know, selfishly, she would have preferred that I stay with her. She, um, you know, she gave me that gift. And that's why I said, and I remember it was like, we were, we were waiting for a movie to start. We were in the movie theater and, <laughs> and she like turned to me and she's like, you know, Laura, I'm, I, and she did, she said, she said, I'm divorcing you. Cause she was in the process of getting a divorce from her husband, you know, my dad. <laughs> and, and she's like, nope, I'm going to divorce you too, because you need to get, you need to start your life. You can't keep taking care of me. And that was a best, best gift she ever gave me. And I want to go back just a little bit. Um, you said that your brother and sister, there was a, a, def, a big age difference yeah. between you all. Was Did they endure a lot of what you endured as a child? Was there the alcoholism and the depression oh, yeah. and everything was yeah, there? Yeah, so it absolutely. wasn't like something yeah, that no. came out of blue. Ah, oh, you're back. Those we thunderstorms go. back <laughs> <laughs> Internet no being problem. a little wonky. So, yeah, my sister... Um, uh, yeah, my sister said that. Yeah, she she and my older brother they had it even worse because I I think also my my mom um, she started actually working full time when I, you know shortly well I think when I was in preschool and so she hadn't been working and so um, you know she was just at home being a homemaker and then dealing with my dad and so that was even more stressful and so I think also money issues were a big deal so when she started working full time that also helped her to be able to kind of get out <laughs> of the house right. herself a little bit and and give her uh, you know a little bit more autonomy and I think that helped so that's why I said I did have all in all um, I think a better overall childhood um, than than my siblings 
Now, did you have family in Florida? I mean, what was what was the the the, the strong pull for you? Yeah, my my grandmother had remarried and she moved down to uh, Coral Gables back mm-hmm. when I was about seven years old. And so every year we would go down um, for a Christmas vacation and spend that with my grandmother. And so I I loved being able to like go to the beach on Christmas day. That was awesome. I've come back home to Michigan with a tan. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it was like, I mean, I used to, I used to, I, I created a version of the song. I used to say, I'm dreaming of a green Christmas where the palm <laughs> trees sway and children play. <laughs> and that was, that was my idea. So I was like, yeah, that's where I'm going when I'm done. I, who needs shoveling snow and right. seeing if the car's going to start in the cold. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Midwest guy too. And I, I can't wait till that. I'm, I'm going to be moving somewhere warm in the very near future. So I can't wait to, to yeah. not have to shovel snow. <laughs> so you, you went down to Florida, you began working on the, working for the nightly business report. Right. And so how did things start transitioning for you? Did you do that for a while? Because, you know, you, you talk about getting into your own business. business. What was, yeah, exactly. What was yeah. So, for that? Right. So I, yeah, so I started working for uh, MBR and then uh, a couple years later, I met my husband and, uh, you know, we had two wonderful children and I worked for, I worked for uh, the Nightly Business Report for a little over 10 years. And then I actually had an opportunity to uh, produce my own business show. It was part of a, a, a statewide cable network that was mm. popping up at the time. And so I, I moved to Tallahassee for a little while and, and worked there, but my husband wasn't able to find a job. So I, I actually went up there with the two kids partner and a three-year-old. I, I gained a huge appreciation for single moms because I was one for about six <laughs> and then moved back and and then started just working part-time for a while. And, and I would be the fill-in producer when our the show's main producer would go on vacation. Um, and then my husband got an opportunity to move up to Orlando. He had a job opportunity. And so we moved up here. And so now I had to figure out what I was going to do because I wasn't going to be able to work full-time or even part-time, frankly, for Nightly Business Report anymore. I did I did for a little while writing like their calendar, their monthly calendar, just to kind of keep my hand in. But I was soul-searching and trying to figure out. I dabbled in writing children's stories for a little while, you know, mm-hmm. thinking I could be the next J.K. Rowling, but that didn't <laughs> pan out too well. Um, but I kept getting this letter in the mail um, from a company that said, you know, can you actually write a letter like this? And it was uh, from a company called American Writers and Artists Inc. And they taught you how to do copywriting and, you know, direct mail advertising. And um, I said, hmm, you know, this actually sounds interesting. And yeah, I could write a letter like that. I, but writing <laughs> for business news, why not? And so I signed up for that course, invested in it. And then along the way, then Channel 2, that was the television station that produced NBR, um, let me know that they were no longer going to need my services to even write their newsletter anymore mm. and this monthly calendar. So I'm like, well, I guess this is a sign that I'm going to do this business. <laughs> I'm actually right. going to go dive, uh, you know, head first, feet first, whatever, into it. And so um, 
I actually, at that time, had started taking a course on SEO copywriting because the internet I was seeing was going to be a huge deal. And, and I really liked the idea of kind of using both sides of my brain, the logical part to figure out what keywords would people were going to use to find a website online, and then the creative side to actually write it in a way that's interesting and not spammy. And mm. so that's when I, I started my business and, and, and slowly was growing that. But, um, but it was tough because, especially at the beginning, because I realized, number one, that I had to now be a salesperson. Um, and I had to talk to people and I was still a bit shy <laughs> and not to mention we were in this new uh, community that, uh, you know, I didn't know as many people anymore. And so I was having to, you know, meet people and, and starting this new business. And it was, uh, it was a bit of a challenge, you know, learning how to do the elevator pitch and all this stuff. Um, but interestingly enough, I think partway in, I, I started you know, video marketing was starting to become big. And so I started doing uh, not only videos, but also live presentations, because I thought it would be a good way to demonstrate my expertise to get business. And I actually liked that. So even though I was, you know, still the shy person, put me in front of a camera, and I started uh, really digging it. Even though when I worked in television before, I did, I never wanted to be on camera. I was quite content to be behind the scenes, but now I realized that, well, if you want clients, you're going to have to talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I had to get over that that side of me. That fear, that fear of rejection, right? That's every yeah. person's worst, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you got your business going. It's successful. Things are growing, going the way you you, you want them to go. You're you're feeling good. You're in front of the camera now, um, and then cancer creeps in somewhere in that story. Uh, what look, fill us yeah. in on, on, on that? Yeah. So in in 2015, I was. Uh, in the middle of actually working on doing some video marketing and then was taking some courses in that and, and, and adding that into my uh, business. And I got a call from my sister. Um, she was in a lot of pain and, and things she could, didn't know what was going on and finally went to see her doctor. And um, it turned out that at first they thought it was going to be ovarian cancer which would have been the good news. Um, but unfortunately, when they went in, they found it was uh, something else. It was called uh, rhabdomyosarcoma, which was a, uh, it's a cancer of the soft tissue. And she had a huge tumor that was lodged in her psoas muscle near her leg. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, um, it was too big for the surgeon to be able to take out because it was wrapped around all these arteries and it was going to be too big a risk for her. So they, you know, recommended radiation and chemotherapy. And, but at the same time, they also did say it was stage four. So even mm -hmm. though I think both she and I were in a bit of a denial about that, we didn't really hear that part, I think, too well for a little while um, because it was, uh, serious and and she yeah. was did not have a good prognosis and it, and it's interesting i had i'd recorded our, our first conversations of the consultation and and i i listened back to it and it's like yeah he clearly said that there was not like a good outcome that there oh. there's not a very good chance for a good outcome here at all um 
And that just really knocked, well, certainly knocked my sister for a loop, but also me. Um, Cause we had, we really, we, you know, we weren't close when I was a kid, but as adults, we had started to, you know, really develop a good relationship. And, um, you know, the prospect of losing her when she was only in her sixties or early sixties um, was something, you know, neither one of us wanted to have happen. And looking back now, the one good thing that came of it was the fact that we did uh, spend a lot of time together. Cause I, she lived in Arizona. I lived in Florida. So I would try to fly out there as often as I could to help her when she would go through chemo mm -hmm. and um, to deal with that. Cause uh, is anybody who has ever either experienced cancer or know someone who does, um, you know, chemo not only kills the cancer cells, it also kills off your good cells. And it, yeah. it really, you know, makes your risk of infection and just makes you really weak and sick. And, um, and unfortunately for her, <laughs> she was like an outlier in everything. She, her, her cancer was a pediatric cancer for one thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then she didn't respond well to some of the traditional chemo treatments. So they had to try some other ones. And then, um, yeah, so everything was like so much more challenging for her. And I kind of lost my train of thought where I was going with it. But anyway, um, suffice to say that, um, oh, I know, is that she found it and when finally she just found it harder and harder. Her body was just taking longer and longer to come back. And and since the prognosis wasn't good anyway, in 2016, she finally said, enough is enough. I'm not going to do any more chemo. Mm. And um, and so I lost her at uh, the end of 2016. Um, actually, the, the same day that Carrie Fisher died was, was the mm. same day my sister um, I lost her because I was actually going through the computer and saw that news. Um, however, um, there was a good, another good thing that came of it because two months before she passed, I got, I was meditating, had been meditating for years. And during this morning meditation, I, this idea popped into my head that said, you should write a book about love. And I went, where is this coming from? I do marketing. I, you know, I talk about social media. What do I know about love? <laughs> <laughs> but you were a writer in one aspect of, you know, although you weren't writing a story. Yeah. How many years had passed between when your brother passed away and your sister had, had it been quite a while? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, yeah, he, he died in 81. So it was good Lord. My goodness. Like, yeah, about 30 years, 30, 35 years or so. So, yeah, it was a long time that he'd been gone. And, uh, yeah, she 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 missed him because, you know, he really was her big brother. He was her protector and stuff. And um, and so, yeah, so, you know, and then we both, our, our parents, we'd lost, lost both parents along the way to um, mm. uh, my dad. Shortly after I got married, he lost him and then my mom um, she died in 2003. So it was really just me and my sister for, you know, that next decade or so. And, um, yeah. And, and I wish we had lived closer and, and I know she would 
she used to come visit when my kids were little. She would come like every year, you know, for holidays and stuff. But eventually it was like, kids got older. She's like, Laura, you need to come see me now. Yeah, like, yeah I know, I know, I know. So um, yeah. I did start, but yeah. Well, let's talk about the book. Um, go ahead and tell us about the book. Yeah. So, so this idea <laughs> to write a book about love, which was interesting, was that um, love was an acronym. And again, this, this like came to me that first day, but I didn't really explore it until later, but it stood for love or the L in love was let go and let God. The O is open your heart to receive. The V was value your uniqueness. And the E was embrace your divinity. Mm. And I mean, I look back at it now and it's like, I'm just, I'm still just like blown away because of this, this gift, um, which also as I, you know, in grieving my sister first off, and I, you know, I didn't even touch this book for about two years after I got this idea. Um, and at one point I was working with a coach and as I was starting to write it and, and talking about what these concepts meant, um, I mean, I just had this huge breakthrough because I realized it was, the book was for me. Mm. It wasn't so much that I was writing this for other people. I needed to learn all these lessons for myself because I, I didn't, I didn't love myself. I didn't trust myself very well. I didn't value my worth. I mean, that's why I wasn't really as successful. I, I sort of put on this facade of being successful in, in the realm of, you know, online marketing, but, um, you know, I was still doing, you know, most everything myself and, and, and not charging the types of fees for my services that, you know, other people with even probably less experience than I had were doing. Mm -hmm. And because I didn't value what I had, um, the experience that I had, the knowledge that I had. So writing that book, um, was learning how to do that, how to let go of these, you know, limiting beliefs that I'm not worthy and, and let the universe direct my life and start really opening my heart to not only receive guidance, but also to receive help even from other people. <laughs> um, so I talk about that in the book, I, you know, and I talk about valuing yourself and, and my sister, um, you know, was the same way because I, I share one of the stories in the book about she called me one one Christmas. She was a massage therapist, and she called me for advice because she said one of her clients wanted to give her a thousand dollar holiday bonus, wow. and and she's like, "Laura, I don't think I can accept that." You know, what do you think? And I was like, "Holy smokes! Somebody want to give me a thousand dollar bonus?" I'd be like, "Yes, thank you." Um, <laughs> Uh, maybe not, you know, for thinking right. about it now. But at the time I was like, you know, yeah, I was like, you know, you've been doing good work for her, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And she brings me, you know, referrals and she's gotten pain relief. And, and so I'm like, yeah, you need to accept it because otherwise you're hurting her feelings. And actually, because this is how she wants to be able to show you how much she cares. So, um, so yeah, so those are the kind of things that I talk about in the book. And, um, and I finally got it done last year, finally got it published. And, and, and the timing, it all worked out. It's like it all was divine timing why it had to work out because my sister's birthday was February 21st. And as I'm writing this last year and you know finishing it up towards the end of the year, I'm like, I went to talk to my publisher. I'm like, oh, can I get it 
can we publish it on February 21st? Because it's then it would be 22121. Oh, and wow. I just loved the, you know, that's synchronicity or whatever of, of yeah. the numbers uh, to, to come out. So, so this was the perfect time for it to be released. You, you know, your story is such an inspiration because, you know, as a child, you grew up in, 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 you know, a dysfunctional uh, environment, you know, you had yeah. a mom that was loving, but yet could be um, mean, yeah. for lack yeah. of a better word. He had, yeah. a, he had a father that it sounds like, while I think he was loving, he was distant because of mm -hmm. the alcoholism. Yeah. Um, you know, your brother's pass passes away. You know, you're you're trying to figure out who you are, and you're coming together. Um, and then, you know, you got married, you, you started your business, you had kids. Um, so there was like this growth that occurred. A lot of times I think people that grow up in, in environments like that, especially when they get uncomfortable um, and, and, and they close up into their shell, they sometimes they don't come out. And you progressively were, you were able to step out of your childhood environment. You, you didn't let yourself become a product of that environment. You went on to do things, um, you know, that, that you felt moved to do. But then there's other, you know, there's there's other aspects to your life, too. And, you know, you talk about running a Walt Disney World Marathon. I mean, you know, so these are, you know, these are just things that you're, you're growing with. So let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> oh, yes, that's all right. My Yeah, in fact, I'm, I'm actually staring at some of my medals that I have hanging up. <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy thing. So, you know, I did dance as a kid, but I, yeah. I did not consider myself athletic, for one thing. I was always, um, you know, picked last in gym class. I was not athletically coordinated. So I was not a runner by any stretch of the man, uh, means. But um, a year after my mom passed, I, I got a letter in the mail from the American Heart Association, and they were uh, doing this um, train to end stroke program. Mm -hmm. And so you would, they would train run the Disney World Marathon, you raise money for this program. And I thought, well, this would be a good way to honor my mom because she did have heart disease and, and yeah. stuff. And I was like, you know, so I'm in my mid 40s. And I'm like, why not? You know, and, and do I sign up for the half marathon? No, no, I signed <laughs> up for the full marathon, like a crazy person. Um, you know, and it's like, Oh, my God, you know, because you have to do like 20 miles, I think is the, is the longest training run, just to, you know, to be able to do that extra 26.2. Um, so, so I, you know, so I, I did this and I, I wasn't, I wound up doing running walk combination. But when I got to Disney and to do this marathon, this was back in the early 2000s when they would do the full and the half marathon on the same day. Mm. And I, I made a rookie mistake and I got pulled off. Uh, I like heard this motor behind me and I turn around and there's this van and he's like, you can't finish the race. You got to get in. And I'm like, what? I mean, like I still had like, you know, 13 miles to go or something. I was only about halfway through. And he's like, nah, you're not going to finish in time. You're too slow. I'm like, oh man, I was like so pissed. But I realized that if you're ever going to do a marathon, do not use the porta potty at the beginning of the race, you know, mile one. No, you, you wait and go like mile seven or something. Okay. <laughs> the lines are much shorter because I wasted too much time. Mm. But I, yeah, there's like this part of me though, that is like, I am not a quitter. I don't like being told I can't do something. And so I said, okay, you know what? 
screw it. I'm going to come back next year and I'm going to finish this darn thing. I didn't do all this training not to do the whole 26.2 miles. And so this time I signed up with the um, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, their program to run uh, a marathon and so to raise funds for that organization. And so I did it. And this time I did cross the finish line. It took me seven plus hours to do it. <laughs> but I did it. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then crazily enough, I actually did it again. Um, probably about, I don't know, eight or eight years later, maybe eight or 10 years later, because a, a childhood friend of my daughter's had leukemia, was diagnosed with leukemia while she was in college. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to raise money in Rachel's honor. And, and I did. And, and my sister laughed about this so much afterwards, because I called her on the phone, and she saved this message on her answering machine. I think I, I saved it, I think, too. Because I told her, I said, if you ever hear me say that I'm going to run a marathon, you talk me out of it, do not <laughs> do it. Because again, it took me well over seven hours, especially because I caught a cold like the week before. So I was having trouble breathing. But thankfully, I had a friend with me on this time. And she kept me going. She encouraged me. And, and I got to finish it but it's like no never again half marathons much more doable you know three hours three and a half hours i can do that but seven no <laughs> it's too much <laughs> and somewhere in this story you your daughter's in budapest and you decide you're going to learn a language too so you you taught yourself hungarian or you you yeah i'm teaching yeah, I'm teaching myself Hungarian. Yeah, yeah. My my grandparents were from Hungary. Um, although I guess where my grandmother was born is actually part of the Ukraine now. But um, but my daughter uh, is a web designer, and she mm. decided that she wanted to spend actually 2020 traveling through Europe. And when she found out that she could get Hungarian citizenship because her grandmother was born, her grandparents were born in Hungary, she decided to apply because she thought it would be easier to get um, a, a Europe passport. It'd be easier for her to get around. And so she learned, she studied Hungarian. And I had heard it growing up. My mother did speak it with my grandmother, um, but I never learned. I learned like Kishlanya, which meant little girl. You know, that was like one phrase that stuck in my head. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Kusinem Sepen, which is thank you very much. Um, and so uh, then last October, my, well, my daughter had started the trip, came home because of COVID. Then she went back over in, in October. And, and so now she's, she's there and she's got a boyfriend doing very well, very happy. But, I, but she left me all her books. And, um, but I'm still just using Duolingo. But I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I want to learn to do it. I, and, you know, they say as you get older, it's good to keep learning stuff. I, I don't want to ever have Alzheimer's. So if I can keep challenging my brain, I will do that. And, and I'm, I'm doing good. I don't know that I can still speak it great, but I can definitely read it and understand it now, <laughs> which okay. is good. Well, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a cool challenge. I love, I love challenging myself to do new things. You know, if you're not, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? And right, I, right. I, I want to live a growing. very long time. So we've got a few more minutes left and I want to make sure that people listening that this, your story's resonating with them and they want to learn more about you. They want to, you know, where, so you've got the book, it's live, love, engage, how to stop doubting yourself and start being yourself. And right. that's available on Amazon. Right. 
It is absolutely. So they can yeah. find it out on Amazon. And what else? What else you got going on? Social media, websites. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep, I've got. You can go to my website, GloriaRand.com, and you can learn about all the stuff that I do. I do, like I said, I've got copywriting. I do coaching now as well. Um, and I've on social media. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm actually starting to spend more time on LinkedIn now because I've been ignoring it for a little while and I'm gonna go back to that because yeah. it is a it is a good place for where in particular I wanna work with um, and, and service providers and consultants and, and that's where they hang out too as, as much as Facebook. So, uh, so you can look me up there at Gloria Grace Rand. And your coaching, uh, the the coaching you're doing is that um, is there a specific audience that you're geared your you've geared your coaching practice towards? Yeah, it's I, in particular, I, I would love to connect with women entrepreneurs. In fact, women entrepreneurs who have are going through some kind of um, you know loss or or something has rocked their confidence. In particular, you know whether it's divorce or maybe they've had to. Um, uh, you know, maybe even their um, their last year, and maybe they're still not quite sure that they're they're happy doing what they're doing. Um, I can really relate to that <laughs> because I've done done all those things, and and I've come out the other side, and 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 I feel much more confident in my own skin now than than I've ever had. I mean, probably probably not since I was a little kid um, dancing on the stage. So I, I want to be able to help more um, women in particular really appreciate who they are, that you are worthy just by being alive and you deserve to have all the love, joy, and abundance you can get. Well, your story is definitely uh, definitely an inspiration to anybody that thinks, you know, uh, I used to say in my younger days that I was a product of my, my environment. And I used that as an excuse mm -hmm. as to why I wasn't where I wanted to be. And you've never, you've, you've never, from what I know of you and the conversations we had, you, you've never tried to find an excuse. You found a way to overcome, to climb that Everest, as I like to say, and do the things that, that you've really wanted to do and have a full life. So I think there's a lot to be, uh, learn from your story, and and I definitely hope it's it's helping. You know, uh, at least one person that's listening to this. Hopefully, many, many more. I hope and, so. Yes, that that would mean so. a lot to me. And yeah, and if you you know, if you might even want just want to talk, um, you know, I am available. I've I'm a good listener, and I'd be you know, let's just have a chat. It doesn't have to be business related. Whatever. I you know, you can never have too many friends in this world, and I would you know. Yeah. Happy to meet new people. So let's connect. So as we close here, um, I do like to ask this question as well uh, of, of my guests is if you could leave our listeners here today with wor uh, words of wisdom, you know, if one final thought, what would, what would you like to leave our audience with? Uh, um. <clears throat> Actually, <laughs> this is funny. This is perfect, actually, because I just saw this. I, I have this little fortune cookie, fortune cookie yeah. message that I saved, and <laughs> and and this, and I know why I saved it because this is what it says, and I'm, this is what I'm going to leave you with. It says, "Love yourself first, and everything falls into line." 
Mm, that's Isn't wonderful. That perfect. That is. Love yourself first and everything else falls in line. Yeah. Well, Gloria, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your story. And, uh, you know, let's uh, let's keep in touch. I'd like to, you know, see how things evolve from for you from here, too. Oh, absolutely. I would love to do that. Thank you so much. You've been a wonderful, gracious host and interviewer, and I had a really good time talking with you today. There you go. There you have it. My conversation with Gloria Grace Rand. I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's episode as much as I have enjoyed bringing it to you. Please show Gloria some love and support by checking out her links, which I've included in the description below. And make sure you share this episode out to your social networks. You just never know when someone's story may change a life. That's going to do it for today's episode. Make sure you follow this podcast on whatever platform you enjoy listening to your podcast on. That way you get notified when episode 39 drops next Wednesday night. It's going to be another good one. Don't miss it. Until then, aim high, be courageous, go do amazing things.